Welcome to Stepdad Success, turning the tide on the way stepdads are seen and show up in the world. We're a new breed of leaders raising leaders. Blood or no blood, we raise them as our own. We're connected, loving, and committed to leading them into the future. If you asked a normal dad, he'd say we're doing the impossible. He'd say, but they're not yours. How do you do it? Yet every day, stepdads around the world are forging the way. That's what we call stepdad success. We're leaders raising leaders. And these are our stories. G'day, g'day. This is James Klobasa from Stepdad Success. And today we've got a very special guest. His name is Jason Brangers. And actually, just a, I could call him a friend of mine. I've met him just recently. We're in a group together um, that's based in the States. And he's here to talk to us today about his experience of being a stepdad. And he is a very lucky man because he's got four amazing kids two his own and two um, his stepchildren and he has been married for quite a long time since 2000 um, and that's quite a bit longer than what I have been so I'm excited to have a chat to Jason and of course get a bit of insight into the whole stepdad and well the whole parenting thing from his angle so welcome Jason thanks for jumping on mate um, really great to have you here it's my honor, my friend. It's uh, and I do call you my friend. So I appreciate that. I look forward to sharing with you, and uh, sharing with your group. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. Um, so, can you tell us just a little bit about kind of your background, uh, where you grew up, what um, sure, you know, that sort of thing. I know you're based in the states now, so and I'm yes. you know, obviously on the other side of the world. We're at uh, two different <laughs> ends of the spectrum, but um, just give us a little bit That's of background right. on where you're from and. You know how you you met your lovely wife and yeah just a little bit of that. Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I uh, I grew up in a uh, in a household in central the central part of the United States in a, a place in a state called Indiana, the southern part of that region near the Ohio River. Which uh, if you ever visit the states or if you're from the states, you'll know that the, those communities that are typically around those waterways tend to be very insular and they tend to, to hang, they tend, you grow up there, you tend to stay there. Uh, so my path was a little non-traditional in that uh, my father was what they call in the States a blue collar supervisor, which means that he was a non-college graduate, uh, not, he was not uh, educated in the traditional sense of the word, uh, but he knew how to work hard. And throughout the 1970s and 1980s, he proceeded to close down uh, 13 different plants or manufacturing facilities, uh, not by plan, just simply because he was taking one job after another that would ultimately end up shutting that plant down as those jobs were lost to either somewhere else in the world or just lost to technology. Gosh. So uh, I, I grew up in a house uh, where my mom, with my mom and dad and my younger sister, Courtney, uh, and it was uh, it was largely governed by by the scarcity that was that was rampant because of the inconsistency and always the worry around money. So I came from a, a family in which my parents were married and are still married uh, to this day. They were married in 1969 and July 19th. They, uh, in fact, they got married and uh, went on their honeymoon and watched the man walk on the moon that night. Wow. Right. So that's kind of a cool thing, right? July yeah. 19th, 1969. It's quite the um, also helps me remember quite, it. That's quite the quite the yeah, quite the yeah. Um, first night. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm certain that from my dad's perspective, that's not what he remembers about it. But anyway, yeah, neither here nor there. So my point, uh, so I came from a family that was quote unquote not broken. Uh, so I, I don't know what it would mean to be a step kid. Uh, but I can tell you this, I spent the first 15 years of my life that I remember it. So this is probably from age four, age 19, thinking that any moment in time, my home would explode. And yeah. so uh, it was, uh, and, it, and it, I don't mean that in any way negatively for my parents. They did and are doing the very best they knew how to do. And if they had known better, they would have done better. Yeah. Uh, and so I, in a lot of ways, James, I left my, uh, my, where my parents were and went out on my own early at age 19, uh, actually almost 19, 18 years old. Uh, with this idea that you part of knowing what you want is knowing what you don't want. And so I didn't think that I would actually ever get married. Uh, I didn't foresee being a father partially because I didn't really know how to be one uh, and other than to provide. So I got a scholarship. And if I'm taking too long on this, you just hush or hurry me up. Okay. No, no, you're good, man. I, I got a scholarship to play football uh, with the American style football in the States for a university called Purdue University, which is an engineering school. What I found out in, as I was going through my, uh, what they call high school in the States is that I, I was smart, uh, but I was also fairly lazy, uh, non-motivated. Mm -hmm. But when it came down to figuring out how I could escape the, uh, the poverty and the scarcity that was driving my family, I, knew, I was told by my parents that college was the way to do that. I was also told by them that there was absolutely zero way for them to afford to help me do it. So if I wanted to go to school, I had to find a way to get it paid for. So I was a decent athlete. I swam uh, competitively, short distances, and I played football. I was small. I was, excuse me, I was big and fast. Right. So I, I, I got admitted to uh, three, four, four schools, uh, three of them seriously, Rolls-Holman Institute of Technology and Purdue University. Purdue University offered me a full scholarship to play football for them, and they would play, they would, uh, they would pay for my school. So I went that route. And uh, prior to the season even starting, I got injured. I was wearing a helmet that didn't fit. Uh, we were in a scrimmage game against another Big Ten university. The player across the line noticed that that was the case. And as we came off the line for a, it was supposed to be a non-contact hit, he grabbed the back of my helmet, pulled it over, and it crushed the bones that connect together right above the nose. Oh, wow. Uh, into yeah, it was it was a good day. <laughs> it was a good day. I couldn't wow. see for about about two months. Um, and here's the bottom line on that: the it was such a, a sensitive injury, and the, the the healing took a while to to fix. That Purdue couldn't put me back on the field because their insurance company would no longer insure me. They were very nice, uh, and they treated me with they treated me very well, James, uh, because they had a guy now who they had on scholarship that couldn't play. Mm, so what sure. they agreed to do is to keep me, they agreed to keep me on scholarship for two full years. And after that, it was going to be on my own. Mm. So here was, this was my shot, right? So I got a four year engineering degree from Purdue in two years and a semester. I went to work. Nice. Honestly done. Uh, and I, yeah. I, I just hustled, right? Uh, I, I figured out that I could outwork just about everybody around me. Uh, and there's no ego in that because it's not always a smart way to do things. There, but I did figure out that I, I was smart. And when I applied myself, I could figure out how to gain leverage. Now, 
that led me to uh, a stint that I did where I did some work for the for our government here in the states. Uh, the after another injury, I left that and started going back to school to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. Now that that career was no longer an option as well, and along the way, I got uh, multiple multiple additional. Uh, degrees from universities. I've, I've got a background in quantum mechanics, which is in, in physics, psychology, finance, and accounting uh, from two different, from two other universities. I thought I was going to ultimately teach uh, that in the university setting. And I quickly figured out that that was not going to be the path that would lead me to a place of being happiness. I, I like to teach, but that's not my calling. Mm. Now in that, in that last iteration I had started my own firm uh, doing financial consulting, financial advisory work, accounting, tax in the States. And uh, I got invited to uh, attend a, a football game, to watch a football game at a friend's house uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, where I'd moved back to. Uh, and uh, it was in the States, like there is everywhere else in the world, there are very, very big rivalries. Well, in the state of Kentucky, Kentucky is known for a few things, one of which is uh, bourbon, the other one's horse racing, and the third one is, and most importantly, is basketball. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and if you're in Kentucky, you are generally either not from Kentucky and you ha are a fan of somewhere else, or you are a fan of the University of Louisville, where I'm living, or the University of Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Wildcats. So I show up and I'm surrounded, but this is actually a relevant story. I'm, sur I'm surrounded by all these people that are ginned up. And keep in mind now, I'm a graduate of three universities. And frankly, I'm agnostic about sports because of my injury. I just left it and I went to work. I stopped paying attention. So uh, about 15 minutes before the game shows up, this really cute lady shows up, decked out all in blue and white, which are the UK colors. And shows up at a, uh, and not realizing she's come to Louisville and that there might actually be people there that are not Louisville fans or, or that are Louisville fans. So she comes in, feels very isolated. She tells me in hindsight that I was actually wearing a brown shirt, uh, not either color by the team. So she naturally gravitated to sitting toward next to me. About two minutes into the game, she turns, grabs my chin, turns and looks at me and she says, okay, let's get this out of the way. Who are you for? <laughs> and, and I looked at her. I looked at her outfit, and I said, "Well, I guess it's going to be UK." And so she scooted a little closer to me. <laughs> and uh, that that wonderful lady, her name is Deanna, is now my wife. Uh, so that's, that's how I met her. That's a great story. And I was going to say, um, it's probably a good thing your sense of color was off that day. True story. If I had been a red and black, I don't. I probably may not have kids. And may not be married. <laughs> How old were you at that time, uh, Jason? Oh gosh, I was twenty-five. Yeah, wow. That's uh, yeah, twenty-five, maybe almost twenty-six. Yeah, that's that's it's a, one of those funny ages. You seem to meet a lot of pretty girls at that age. Yeah, well, you know what, James? This is the odd thing, you know, at that point, I truly, I was like, okay, my. My calling is to be in business. It's to help liberate entrepreneurs. It's to help them get the to to build wealth, and me among them. So I was all about creating a career and an opportunity in a business. Yeah. And I'd written a relationship, and just as soon as I did that, I met her. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, and what's a little bit of her background? Is she um, sure. kind of a 
country girl or uh, you yep. know, how, how did you guys kind of kick it off and you know, how long down the track was it um, before kind of kids came into the mix and that sort of stuff? Good question. Right. So she is uh, she's from the dead center of the state of Kentucky, a place, a little place called Campbellsville. She actually grew up on a horse farm, uh, a 70 acre horse farm with her dad and mom and her brother. Um, and he, he, James, I'll be I'll tell you, man, uh, is I love my parents uh, that I really do. But the, the, the grace and gift of God and effectively being adopted by my father-in-law, uh, he is truly a great man. Nice. I, I, it created a model for me on <clears throat> what it means to actually be a dad. And yeah. I'm not his biological son. So it, it, the one of the big advantages I think I had as a stepdad step when I married his daughter was is that I began to, te- to treat my new stepkids the way he treated me as his son-in-law. Yeah, right, right. And uh, so, yeah. So she, she's a wonderful lady. She's a wonderful girl. She grew up in the center of the state. She played sports. She was active in everything. She's a she's into politics, the U.S. politics. She loves history, the history of wars. It, it just that's just her thing. She's got a, a master's degree in public policy from one of the universities in the state in the um, United States, and she's fairly well adept in working in the political world, which is both good and bad. Uh, she met a young man that uh, in college herself that they her words, not mine. They made a mistake and got to, got involved way too early. And that resulted in her oldest, our oldest child, Chelsea. Right. Uh, and that happened for her at all. She was almost 19. Right. Uh, so she's very young. Uh, thankfully, due to her parents' help and involvement and her own tenacity, uh, she was both a mom and a student, so she made it all the way through school. And uh, three and a half years later, her little brother, Levi, came along, and uh, Lee, he and uh, Chelsea are my stepkids. Yep. So I bet, yep, so where do you want to go from there? Yeah, oh, that's. I mean, I was just going to say uh... – so she was obviously quite young when she had kids. And sure how, was. How old were you again when you, you guys met? We, I was 25. She 25. is four. She's actually four and a half years older than me, but I, I, I can't actually put a number on that because she's never over the age of 29, ever. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> great, great. So um, when – and like what was the initial reaction both from, from you and mm-hmm. – also, your parents, because this is oh, these are the question. these are the these are the funny dynamics that I find, you know. Um, yes. As you know, you know, my you know my partner and her kids, I found it yeah. quite quite difficult to bridge that conversation with my parents. How do you go about that, and how did that sort of turn out? You know, it's really interesting, James. Is that I think that. Um, I think part of my, I think I had an advantage in that way because part of it was I really wasn't concerned about what my, uh, I, I knew I was going to create my own way over this. And it's not that I didn't take into consideration what they thought. It, it's just that their opinion on this was less important than my own. Sure. I, yeah. I was, so, this was something that I was choosing to do. I, I, the irony is, is that I think it was probably harder for her to tell her mom and dad that we were serious than it was for me to tell my mom and dad that I was serious with a girl who already had kids. Sure. Sure. And how did, um, 
how are you about it? Oh, yeah, great like, question. So, because me, like I'm, I absolutely love kids. Always have loved kids. Always been yep. heavily involved in my friends' kids and all that sort of stuff as I was growing up, getting older and whatever. But how are you in that situation? What was that? You know, we you kind of meet this pretty girl at the football, and you're thinking, "Woo, yeah. this is fantastic!" And next, <laughs> That's thing, right. next, next thing you know, you think, "Wow, hang on, I've I've bitten off a fair chunk here." Right. Well, here's the irony, right? So she she becomes she's rather flirty at that at that game. My memory is she's rather flirty at that game, and yeah, I was interested in her, but I didn't think it would go past that day. And she we actually called her because of her involvement in politics to find out if I could help out with something specifically she was working on. And we became friends before we ever started the date. Right, so okay. I, I met her kids as a friend of hers before I met them as someone who was dating or seeing her. Right. Okay. Uh, and okay, so, so you, my, my introduction to them. Yeah, go ahead. You kind of got the, the chance to become friends with the kids, you know, before that anything was happening. Actually, I think I, I was I think it was that I got to meet them before I was a threat to their dad. Right. Right. And had they long split up or, you know, how were the kids about? Um, she had been divorced for about almost two, almost two and a half years. So and at that point, we when we married, Chelsea was 11 and Levi was eight. So this right. is. Right. Two and a half years before that, so Levi was about six, and Chelsea's about nine, eight yeah, or nine. Right, right. So they right. the kids, it, are, kids are kind of at that age where they're, you know, they're looking for for a dad figure, but um, yes. I guess they're they're always gravitating back to their own dad. They, you know, did they sure. have a did they have a, a kind of amicable relationship? Were they in communication? You know, were they seeing their dad? That sort of stuff. Yes, and still do. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. Still do. Yep. Yeah. He, uh, he, he is a, he is a good man. It does the very best he knows how to do as well. And, right. uh, yep. I, I don't think that I don't believe the divorce that, that they had was his choice. Uh, in fact, I know it is, it's what, it's what he shared. And I, uh, there's no reason to go into all that. Sure. Sure. But, uh, it, so I, I, I can only imagine how hard it was on him to have me enter into that world. And yeah. so I think that I've never, it only, it was only, into, I'm going to jump ahead real quick. Okay. But there was a, there's a moment in time when Levi, my son was about 10 or 11, when we figured out that he, he had an issue that was beyond just simply growing up and being a boy. Um, and he, we finally figured out that he's, he's, on the autism spectrum. He's got, he's high functioning autistic. Right. Okay. Uh, and that challenge to our marriage and, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, both really stressed our relationship, but also bonded me to my family in a way that I don't know that I could have without that challenge. And it was the place in which I really believe that I actually, because there was simply no one else in his life that had the means and the interest and the desire to be able to do for him what he needed. Yeah. And awesome. so that love by choice was a, was a powerful, powerful thing. 
And tell me, Jason, are you like, do you consider yourself a, a lover of kids, you know, even before yeah. you, know, you had kids in your life? Yeah, I do. Now, I wasn't the guy that was always having fun. So that, that uh, I got hurt and then I had to go to work. Mm-hmm. I've been told, I don't remember who came up with this phrase, but someone said that the definition of an adult is an annihilated child. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. That's a bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> that you just you just can see up and you think of an adult and you think of somebody who's got a scowl on their face is all about business is never about fun, right? Yep. Well, in a lot of ways, that's who I became when I was going through that process of just simply dogging it out and working. And right. it was being introduced to this wonderful woman, my wife, and these kids that actually reopened my heart to that there's actually fun in this world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They did. They right? had that effect that day. They did. Oh, absolutely. So it was like before we married and before actually as we were starting to date, uh, my daughter Chelsea played softball, which is uh, in the States, a, a, the girls, they break the girls and boys up. One plays softball, one plays baseball. So sure. she was playing softball. Deanna, my wife, was coaching. And so I became like chief dad cheerleader. Right. And so it was fun just being the crazy, cool guy that that got to engage and be probably none of the other dads would be willing to let themselves go like that. And I was because, Hey, this is, this just me. Yeah. So yes, I think I have been a fan of kids. I, I, and I still am now. Uh, I see uh, with my own children now, which we do have four, you mentioned, I figured out early on with my oldest that the single best way that I could maintain in, I lost quote unquote control which typically happens around 12 or 13. Most parents don't realize you really do lose control. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good heads up. Thanks for that. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. Actually, if you've got girls, it's going to form the support group now. There's nothing that can prepare a man for the drama in a teenage girl's life. You just don't, you just don't have any clue. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, it's the most beautiful thing on, in the planet. But yeah. where I was going, you know, well, anyway, so it's just, it, it was a, I figured out that with my oldest, that the best way to have influence with her was to have her bring her friends to want to be around us rather than wanting to get away from us to be with them. Sure. Yep. And so it, it's almost like this idea of without interset, interceding in another parent's business, that the best way to raise my kid was to help raise theirs. Yeah, sure, right. Um, it's often the case too. You find that you know people grav- gravitating towards other parents as role models, and you are obviously sure. that for a, for a few of your um, your daughter's friends. Sure. Well, I remember that for me, right? And when I was yeah. I was growing up, it was it was two sports coaches, a a de- a, be- a deacon at my church, and one of my friends' dads that really raised me you know that that was the people that were the most influential on me yep yep tell me um you know you talked briefly about how kind of your parents were reacting and that sort of stuff and how Mm -hmm. you were reacting to have kids in your life looking back on it now um what do you think were the kind of defining moments in that whole experience yeah, was there anything that was like a, a big kind of shift for you or 
you know, were there any kind of standout moments where you were like, wow, if that if that had gone a different way, or you know, has there any been any real big challenges in that, you know, in the last yes. well, in that in that period? Sure. Yes. So uh, the idea that the honeymoon phase that I was not, that I was not marrying just my wife, that I was marrying all three of them. That's right. the first one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. That that there's that it's not possible for a man to marry a woman with kids and only marry her. Yeah. Yeah. That if, if you try to make that thread, that needle, I think it's going to be more difficult than you can imagine, especially if she's a good mom. Yeah. Which mine is. That's, that's an interesting point. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, it's one year, like personally myself, like I don't even think of that. Like I kind of, you know, it is just, it's the three of them, you know, I don't yeah, think of it as, you know, I, I don't think of it as I, it's just her or just them or, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, you, you are marrying the group and you are, yep. like that's, it's, it's all, it's a one thing almost. It is. And then there's this special relationship with it, which is different than when and if you have quote unquote bi- biological children. Yeah, so, right. It, because you, you as stepdad have to go all in mm, for, yeah. for it to work. Yeah. But they don't. And that's an interesting point. Yeah. It's, um, and you don't think of it that way because they're kind of, I guess, they're almost testing, they you, a, testing you out. Yep. They have an option extent. and they didn't choose. Mama did. Mm. Right. Mm. The, and, yeah. and my daughter actually told me this. I didn't choose. That's when it went sideways. <laughs> <laughs> that's when that's when the, the test levels go up a notch. Oh man, yes, yeah, and uh, I think it was Stephen Covey that says the true measure of your love is how do you treat the child who tests you the most. Well, I think of, I think of that quite a lot. I think of that quite a lot. <laughs> right. Um, so, tell me, how long did it take you to kind of not? Oh, I don't want to say win them over because it's not really like that, but form that connection. Great question. With my oldest daughter, she actually moved it. We married when we married, she was 11. So she moved away to go to college when she was 18, almost 19 years old. Right. And it took till she was almost 20 or a little after 20 before she actually accepted me. Wow. That's a, that's commitment. It was, it was almost 10 years. It was, it was almost 10 full years. Now, James, she's now 28 and married herself. Yep. And I have a closer relationship with her than I can. I, I just can't. I can't I'm, I'm like, I'm getting a little teary eyed, but think, actually thinking about it. I didn't think I could have this kind of relationship with her that I do. Yeah, wow. That's, that's beautiful. And uh, she calls me her bonus dad. Which is, yeah, <laughs> which is pretty cool. <laughs> That's very cool. Very cool. And yeah. what about um, Levi? Because you said he's you know, he's obviously got some different challenges. How's That's right. that? How's that been? You know, being able to connect with him is is there that connection? You know, is yes, that connection he's... there, and is you know that's with autism. I don't know a lot about autism myself, so what's that kind of experience been like? It is a. Uh... It is the hardest and the and like, like everything else is one of the best things that I've ever done because it's it is truly and, and I this is going to sound 
I'm always concerned about talking about this because it can sound self-aggrandizing and I don't mean it this way. I honestly don't, but it's like, it's, it's the, I know I'm doing my job with him. I know I, right. Because it, it, it is so hard sometimes to break through and we have the complications of being, I'm a stepdad and he's my stepson, but I don't ever treat him like being someone like a stepson and treating him differently than I would my, than my other two biological children. Right. I don't make the distinction that he's different except that I treat all of my kids individually, you know? So it, it, so I'm having difficulty verbalizing this, but it's it's when he, I have, and I think you have to do this with all kids, but with, with any with a child on the autism spectrum, with central auditory processing disorder, um, and the, the, the kind of issues that Levi has had to work through and uh, challenge have been a challenge for him to grow through. I know I've had to, to go all in with him expecting nothing. And I, my experience, James, is, is that for a man, that can be hard. Uh, and that, that's what I meant by it sounds like it sounds braggadocia and I don't mean it that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I, I do understand what you mean there. I mean, guys, we love to get our rewards and yeah. And even yeah. if they are just, a, you know, kind of from a kid in some little way, but when it doesn't come, it can become challenging. So what, you know, for you, how, you know, how do you find that? Like, how are you? continuing to double down each time you know when you're not getting those rewards what are you is there you know is are you taking a different kind of view of all of this or are you yes you know what what's behind that that sort of drive yep, I'm, I'm holding on to a long-term why that uh my job for lack of better words with him is is to hold the frame long enough hold the frame of context around his experience when he interacts, when he collides, and when he engages with me, because he does all three, right? That whenever that, those moments happen, that I hold the frame of mirroring back to him that he's got what it takes to be a man. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. And that at the end of the day, how I feel about that is irrelevant. As a father, my job with my sons is to mirror back on them the light that they have what it takes. Yeah. That's and a, then to help them prove it to themselves. Yeah, that's a, wow, that's a great, like just a great place to come from, Jason. That's, I yeah. applaud, applaud you for that because that, you know, so many people want to, you know, blame or shame or, you know, kind of want their, they want their kids to be better, but they aren't willing to, to let go of the attachment of them actually being better. Um, well, I think that's I think, one of, go ahead. I apologize. No, I uh, no, no, I was just going to say like, that's a, it's a, um, well, it's a credit to you, um, first of all, and, you know, to be able to give that as a gift to your, to your kids. Uh, like I understand that. And, you know, like me and my partner, we've been together seven years and, you know, yeah, it's it's one of the toughest things to to be able to let go of 
you know, how they turn out and just yep. be the best role model you can be. Um, but it is one of the biggest things that you have to do as a father or, or you know, as a parent, I think. Yeah. Otherwise, you're creating dependency. If if in any way he finds out that he's a man because of his relationship with me, not be not independent of his relationship with me, then he's got to have me. And I'm not making this out of this life alive. You know, none of us are. No, so I, it's, I said I was kind of you know taking the long game in this, that I'm I'm for I'm using projected hindsight. I'm now and making the assumption that say I'm 43, I'm almost 44 years old now, so I'll be I'll be in my mid 70s. God willing, I'm alive, active, energetic, and engaged with the world. But statistically speaking, it's not that likely, right? I, I hope I'm, that's the case. I really do, but I don't I don't know. So. What do I want to be true for him then? And what I want to be true for him then is, is that if I don't make it and I'm not there to be a resource from him, that he, he knows he's got what it takes to self-initiate what he needs in order to make, the, make it in this world. Mm-hmm. And I want yeah. the same thing for my daughters. Yeah, that's beautiful. Tell me, and I want, you, yeah, I, you mentioned earlier that um, your father-in-law was a big kind of role yes. model in in your life um mm. you know I, I was much the same i had outside sort of role models um you know that kind of raised me tell me do you think that you um is there you know is there stuff in that that you wished you could improve or could could have changed oh. you know do you wish I mean, and I'm not saying that you learn you know, bad stuff from your, your father-in-law or whatever, but um, is, there, is there still, I mean, there's always stuff of our own that we put into the mix, but is there standout pieces that are truly just you in your relationship with your, with your kids? Oh, sure. Yeah. Like I would say most of it. I, I think that the big things that my father-in-law really taught me, and I don't know if this is what you're asking, but I'm going to answer it this way. And then sure. re, re take another swing at it if it doesn't hit where you're going. Sure. I think the main things that he taught me, James, were is how to love a man that wasn't quote unquote related to. I, I mean, how does one adult man love another adult man that's not related to him? Yeah. Well, and when I married when I married his daughter, he he adopted me as his son, not his son-in-law, his son. And right. so that it, yeah, he had a different, a totally different view of parenting, you know, from yes. however he was brought up. Yeah. Using my words, his daughter, who in his mind were, he grew up in the traditional conservative sense of the United States, had had effectively broken her life, gotten pregnant at a very early age out of wedlock and then married and then had a marriage break. And so he's got these stories going on in the back of his mind. And then this guy, me, unproven, no kids, trying to figure out how he's going to produce and provide in his life, shows up out of literally nowhere, somewhere from 90 to 120 miles away. He's dating his daughter. And like most fathers, I am. I've got three daughters. I assume every guy that shows up wanting to date my daughters is wanting to consume my daughter, not date her. (laughs) Right. So, right. Because I remember who I was when I was a kid. So I, I, I. Something about me triggered something in my now wife that says I and my father-in-law gave me the benefit of the doubt. And once my wife went all in with me, 
and married me, he went all in with me and adopted me. Right. And so yeah. what I, the model that I had, the framework that I had was, is, OK, this is what you do with with children. Right. This is what you the his benevolence and acceptance of me and non judgment of me and investment in me is was the, the frame in which I then could relate to having children that were older than infants. Because when you when you have I, I've had the benefit of having both sides of this now who are 16 and 10 now. Sure. I've been with them since the day they were born. I've literally been with them since the day they were born. They yeah. they are. I know them from that point. My older two, I met when they were six and nine. So I'm relating to those humans after a lot of their humanity has already been formed. Yeah. And so it was like engaging an independent being the way my father-in-law did with me. Now, they weren't adults. And so there's a lot more to it. And I don't mean to overly simplify it either, because it wasn't easy, but it was it was simple. It just wasn't easy. Sure. And it took a lot of ego enema <laughs> on me <laughs> to say, get over yourself, Jason. You know, these yeah. kids need you. And just because you you're not they don't have to accept you for you to leave them. They don't have to accept you for you to love them. And, yeah. the, and what I was the, the strategic bet I placed was is that if I did it long enough and consistent enough, not perfectly, but long enough and consistent enough that on the other side of it, they would understand why I made the choice. And ultimately, my hope was that they would see that I chose them. Yeah. Yeah. And my oldest has. My I second mean, oldest, Levi, is on his way. <laughs> yeah. OK. OK. Um, and. Like you said, that uh, their dad's still in the picture. You know, they, yep. you know, do they have a good relationship with him? And how do you, do you have a relationship with him? Uh, I have a, a a what I would call a transactional relationship with him. Sure. Right. So as as the encounter, uh, yes, I see him. So here's a great example of this, and I think this is one of the most profound moments of my entire life, literally. Right. When my oldest daughter got married, she had the complicated issue in the States of saying, who do I want to walk me down the aisle? Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Wow. That's <laughs> Think a, about it. Yeah. Right? And all of the feelings, stories, and facts that surround that decision for a young woman who simply is trying to make this day special for her and her incoming husband. And so she comes to me and she says, how would you feel about if if daddy and you both walk me down the aisle. Wow. That's a, that's a big moment. <clears throat> I haven't, um, I haven't felt anything like that in my entire life. I can imagine. That's a, it, it that's was a beautiful a, thing. Yep. And the, the irony is, is that, uh, in that moment, I really truly realized how connected to my daughter's father that I am. You know, that forever and ever, because of the choice that I made to marry Deanna, Randy and I are connected through Chelsea, through Levi. Sure. Yeah. And uh, I accepted that. So he's doing the very best he knows how to do. It's not my job to to to. It's not my job at all to influence him. Uh, my job is to influence my kids. Yeah. And uh, and thankfully, uh, I think he's. Re- 
from what they have told me, he has said that I've been a good and that's been helpful. Uh, but I can only imagine that if that weren't the case, how diff- how much more difficult that could become. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, <laughs> wow. I can uh, I can feel the emotion there. It's just in, you know, you know Chelsea coming yeah. to you and asking that of you. And that's a I mean, that's kind of like you say that's it's a bit of a rewardless kind of job. But there's a lot until of then. in that one. Yeah. Oh, it was all worth it. I mean, did, yeah. I mean, if you put it in a very pragmatic way, standing there uh, and holding her arm and walking as that music's playing and seeing the man that she's now going to give herself to mm. and being responsible for handing her over to him, uh, it was like the last decade of my life actually mattered. Yeah, wow. Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a, it's like, as they say, the icing on the cake. But, um, That's right. So, good. And, and tell me just kind of veering away from that and kind of flipping it. Um, what's been, what's been the most challenging piece of all of this? Like what's been yeah. the, that, I mean, not, and not so much just the, the challenging oh, piece, but what's been the, you know, you've obviously faced some hurdles. There's been a lot of years, yeah. you know, a lot of, water under the bridge and that sort of stuff. Like what's been a really big hurdle that you've seen personally, and it may not be for the kids so much, but just for you in this relationship, because we all, you know, we all, we're all brought up differently. We're all, you know, yes. have different role models in our lives. We all have different views of the world and how people should react and intermingle and all the rest of it. What's been a yes. really big one for you that you, that kind of tipped you over the edge and, you know, where you, you actually lost your cool because you, you I mean, yeah. we've kn- we've known each other a little while now and you seem yeah. a very kind of lighthearted you know yeah but i'm sure that that's not always the case and no what's been, what's been <laughs> one of those times so what's you know and really oh, from that, just from that you know the parenting view it's it's a tough one you've got your own kids then you've got stepkids in the mix and there must have been times there where it really challenged you to the core. 100% true. And uh, I, I got an easy example, but boy, it was not easy going through it. Uh, if As an incoming stepdad, one of the things that I had a blind spot to, even though in hindsight, it was truly obvious, that's why I call it a blind spot, was there's a pre-existing homeostasis way of doing things that your new wife and kids have without you there. Mm, yeah. Right. Okay. And so, and now you've been with your, uh, with your, your, your wonderful lady for seven years. So that could be different. But when you entered into that in the beginning, all of us go through this at some point in the, in the beginning that unless this child is a, is a baby and in, that the child is new to both mom and stepdad, then there is a pre-existing way of doing things that mom becomes very protective of. Right. Yep. And being, uh, I felt I got very hurt, uh, allowed myself to get very hurt by my wife early on in moments where I felt like I was trying to help improve conflict between her and the kids 
conflict between me and the kids, conflict between the kids. Yeah. Right. It's, in a lot of ways, I'm the peacemaker. Yeah. Right. And there was there was all in my and me playing a part in that at all <laughs> by her. We're doing just fine. Why do you feel like you got to come in and muck the stuff up? <laughs> right. Yeah, and right. I'm thinking myself, but you're you're keeping me from. And this is my home too, and I want to influence how this is how how this shows up. And so for years, James, years, like the first seven, almost eight years of our marriage, it was one conflict after another where my wife would assert her parental right as these are my kids. I'll decide. All the while, I'm holding the space saying, yes, but I'm choosing to go all in with you too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, I understand. And, I understand. And, and believe me, brother, I wasn't laughing. <laughs> I'm laughing on this side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And it, it just took a long time because I think it's not, not no matter how much I she witnessed me, no matter how much, uh, no matter how much I did, it never seemed to break through that I had the same best interest in their lives that she did. Now. What I ultimately see on this side of this, James, is, is that my wife, my wife has told me that she has never felt more loved and accepted by me than when I truly loved and accepted. Accepted the kids. Sorry, you just broke up for a second. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that she's never felt more loved by me than the moment she truly realized that I truly loved and accepted her kids. Yeah. Yeah, I've had that experience also, and yeah. that's a, it's a powerful kind of place to come from when you know that and you can actually operate from that situation. Um, yeah, yes. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, so I got it that in some ways, James, I was always going to be number three, not number yeah. one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? That's interesting. They were there before me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Tell me, um, that's, yeah, it's interesting. And really. There isn't just um, three of you, you know. There's another oh. two in the mix there, and how do they? I'm now number five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how's the how's the kind of intermingling with you know stepkids, kids? I know that yes. in my family, like we've you know two little boys, and you know Che's a bit of a rough nut, and he's kind of <laughs> he you know he's that rugged little boy, whereas Indy's a bit more feeling you know he's a very much appealing kind of character he's yeah. actually very excited by having you know he's like there's eight of us in the family you know like it's one <laughs> big family to him right. um how are your how are your kids with um with all the the extras here's the beauty i think another beautiful part about the age differential that we have so chelsea's now 28 at the time we're doing this call levi's now 25 macy is 16 and ainsley is 10 so yeah. the age differential between my my oldest, who's 28, and my third child is 12 full years. So it it actually has been a wonderful thing because my oldest has been one of the biggest advocates to my younger two children that mom and dad are completely losing their minds. <laughs> right. And she, and, uh, there's a one they have a truly profoundly cool relationship. Uh, Chelsea and the two younger girls. I have more hot conflict, James, between the two youngest, my two biological children between the two of them than I do between the stepkids and the kids, right? 
Right. And, right. Uh, it, it's, uh, and I think the age has a little bit to do with that. I also think that there was the, the unifying factor in all this is that all, all of my kids adore and love their mom. Yep. And so she's mom, the end, to all of them. Yep. And my oldest two have worked through who I am and my youngest two don't know me any differently than dad. Sure, sure. And so the, the way they relate to one another is we are a family. We are. there, So much so that when my oldest married her, uh, uh, married her husband now, Bobby, Bobby's now their brother. From my yeah, right. kids' perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. family just continues to grow. It's amazing how flexible and malleable, and just how forgiving and accepting kids are, isn't it? It teaches you a lot when you, yes. when you, as you're going through different times. It's 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 amazing to see, as I said, like Indy, um, he's just it's all big, one big family, you know. Like, like yeah. we're all Excellent. we're all, if, if he if he could have it his way, we'd all live in the same house. I don't know how I'd feel yeah. about that, but. <laughs> that's, that's how he feels about it, you know, and it's yep, it's a beautiful thing. It's 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 a great reminder sometimes just to to go, oh wow, you know, like we're not, we don't need to be the the selfish old people that we are. <laughs> old is he? Sorry, James, mate. are you there? Yeah. Uh, remind me, how old is he? Uh, he's our uh, ten at the moment. Yeah. So yeah, Chase, Chase eight, and Indy's ten. Awesome. So what's so interesting about this is it, I don't know if you're noticing this or I'd be interested when you when you've done uh, getting your feedback of this maybe a year from now. OK, because I'm beginning to see this pattern in ages like my my youngest is unifier in this. Now, she's also the one that instigates and causes most of the, the conflict. But if it were up to her, our entire 39 person extended family should move into the house. She wants everybody, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, and that's that age. That'd be you know? exciting. Yeah, maybe. It no, is. not so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. it's it's amazing. They, they are like they teach you so much. And as I said, I've always been a, a kid kind of person, and um, but yeah. you know, being with them at close quarters now so much, so often, and yeah, we're in a unique situation. We have you know, kind of week on, week off. Um, yeah, yeah. So you kind of just start to build, bridge the gap on something, and and then they go away for a week, and then you know you've got to make it back up and that sort of stuff. So it's yeah, it makes for interesting dynamics. I'm I'm assuming that you're kind of full time all the time. Um, do they well, go uh, back? At this, to, do they go back to their dads much or? At this point, yeah, we are uh, because they're the my oldest two are both adults. Uh, my son Levi still lives with us. My oldest is now married and moved out yeah uh my son's in college and, and finishing that whole process up for him and he'll eventually move out too so to the extent that they visit with their dad it's usually around special holidays birthdays and things like that uh, but be, before this when we first started in into the process of this it was a uh, a rotational typically around weekends uh, and that's that's how that my dating with Deanna actually started. We actually started dating during the time which when the kids were with their dad, yeah. uh, it, because it allowed us to just the two of us to be together. Yeah. One of the things that I figured out though was is that it, the uncomfortableness that I felt, and I, I'll admit it, that it was uncomfortable when they would come back from dad's house, and that 
the way things are at dad's house is different than the way they are with us. Yes. There's a different value system. There's a different uh, way of dealing with people. There's a different way of communicating. There's different expectations on rules, right? All these things which cause conflict. And so part of what I figured out early on was, is that my kids don't know any different. For them, this is their life. Yeah, They don't yeah. know that they're not old enough and sophisticated and psychologically adept enough as an adult to say, okay, it's rule set by this parent is in conflict with the rule set by this parent. And so that's going to cause conflict upon reentry. They don't think like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They just come home and wonder why mom's pissed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they think it's because them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's an interesting they think dynamic. It's, I, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I think that we got early on after some pretty hot conflict uh, about a year of it was look, the reentry point of bringing that family back together again is a reconditioning process of, okay, now your reality is in this reality and in this reality, this is the way we are. And then when you leave this reality and you go into that reality, you're free to be in that reality there. And when you're old enough, you'll be free to choose what reality you want. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I know that we experienced that, you know, um, as the, the boys kind of come come and go on a Monday and I know yeah. that, you know, as, you know, after school, pick them up from school and that first night is always a little bit of a whirlwind and yeah. um, we've kind yeah. of navigated those waters over the years and learned to, you know, make sure that that first night is just a very relaxed kind of chill, chilling out night rather than, you know, anywhere you can't jump straight into um, laying down any new rules or any new, nope. you can't change anything. It's got to be a, everything's got to be very relaxed and the same, very familiar for them so that they can kind of just merge back into, into your household. And I'm sure it's back the other way as well. Um, sure. As you, as you said, everyone has just different values and different you know, rules and all the rest of it. So yeah, it's an interesting time, that transition period. Yeah. It really is. And I, I have such deep empathy for a child going through it. Mm. You know, it, it, the way the way I, I can I can only imagine, you know, your world kind of got exploded when mom and dad aren't mom and dad now. And now now we've got new dad bonus dad, like what I'm called. And he's pretty cool. I'm confused because it's OK here to do this, but it's not OK there to do this. And I just I sometimes I forget. and. Then mom gets mad because I forget, you know, it's, it's yeah. I have deep empathy for that. It's like, shoot, guys. I mean, it, kids have enough to carry around with them, yep. right, that the adults don't have to make it worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny how we forget that um, we forget just that, you know, like a lot of the times we're making it worse for them. Um, oh yeah, they're, they're, they're drifting through life, loving life most of the time, and they're finding, the time. They're, they're finding the good in everything. And it's yep. us that's obviously, you know, a lot of the time we're dropping the the bad bombs, you know, which is yeah, you've got to, you know, I know that we were, you know, we we've changed our approach a lot just in that transition period alone. You know, that's just one of the yep. things that you know. You kind of, as you say, navigate the waters. It's they can get rough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's right. 
So uh, you asked me the, a great question, which I think framed the start of this conversation, which is this piece of it, which is where did things go wrong where we have conflict, right? Where, where did I, I kind of lose it? And that, the one I gave you was probably the biggest, which was that there was a mismatch in parenting on the yeah. way to parent, right? Which is normal for a man and a wife to have, period. What's not normal is, uh, per se not normal, is the emasculation of a stepdad that's natural for a biological mother to say, I'm going to protect my kids sure. yeah. and not realize the pain that she's putting her husband through, a man she loves too. Mm. But when yeah. push comes to shove, she will choose them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, yeah, there's a, you know, there's a, that's a whole other, you know, that's another hour or two's conversation just in that one comment because True story. it's such a, such a big, um, you know, there's such, the waters are so deep there. And yep. it's, yeah, that's cra a crazy, um, crazy kind of conversation to have and maybe we'll take that up a, another time jason because i i we've been going a while now and i didn't want to tell yeah, you well, oh my gosh, um, wow. <laughs> but um no, i've really appreciated you know this whole conversation and just learning a little bit more about you and the kids obviously See, and next time we catch up i'm sure we'll we'll have some more stories to tell each other but um right. just before you go i just wanted to say like what um you know, are there any, is there one kind of, I don't I want to say big tips that you're going to unleash on the world, but is there one thing that you would kind of, you know, parting wisdom, give us some parting wisdom, Jason, that, you know, <sighs> how you see, you know, the, you know, you've obviously been in a different situation with, you know, you've got your own kids, you've got, you know, stepkids, you've got one autistic child, there's every, every parent has a different situation but yours is um unique to you what's the been the big kind of i guess saving grace tip that you could part on part great on. question and i think it's i think it's probably threefold uh i mean i've mentioned all three in some way which is the the first thing is is that choose to go choose to go all in even when even when you're not getting anything back and place the bet on your kids. You married their mom, or you're about to, or you're contemplating. So if, you, if you're going to go all in on her, go all in on them. And that doesn't mean you control them. And it doesn't mean you, that you even have the ability to influence them for a while. But believe me, that if you go all in with them, eventually you will have that place in their heart, in their mind, in their life, where they will come to you for what it is you want, to, the role you truly in your heart, in your mind, want to play in their life. <clears throat> You'll build trust with them in a way where they will see you as a dad, if not their dad. Sure. And so that's number one. The second one is, is invest in your wife. You are going to be number whatever right after the, the, the last child's there. Yep. And the best way that you can, the best way that you can take care of those kids is to take care of their mother. The girls are going to look to you as their dad, as the first primary point of love in their life. And they're going to mirror how they expect to be treated based on how you treat their mom. And the boys are going to mirror how they should treat a woman based on how. So you are raising your kids based on how you treat their mother. 
And that's true whether it's a step kid or not. Mm-hmm. But when it's specifically with a step kid, there's a distinction that they can actually make, which is that they watch their dad typically and they're watching you. Yeah. And they get the benefit of actually having a choice that's saying, I like that and I don't like that. So if you want to be, it's not an issue of popularity, but if you want to be held in the mind and the as being a good man, then treat your wife the way you want your son to treat his wife and the way you want your daughter to be treated. And the third thing is, is, is relax. This is a long one. <laughs> You're not going to get it right. No one does. No parent does. There's yeah. always going to be regret. So just do your best. Clean it up. Do your best. Just do your best. And when you know better, do better. And do what like James is doing here. Come to places like this. Stay podcast. Because frankly, being a stepdad is a very unique experience. And most men are isolated. They isolate themselves. And so finding a community of men that have this unique experience where, you know, number one, you're not alone. Number two, there's it's not unique. And number three, there is a hope at the end of the you know rainbow if you're going through hard times and reach out and build a network of people who get it. That would be the three things. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome, Jason. Mate, always a pleasure to catch up. And save your brother. Always great to chat. So I just want to say a huge thank you just for sharing um, just your unique experience and some of the stories and tales that you shared with us. Um, fantastic chatting again, as I said, but I look forward to catching up again. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, James. It's been an honor, brother. I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Would you like to learn more about how stepdads across the globe are joining forces in raising the next generation of leaders? Then head to www.stepdadsuccess.com and grab all the show notes plus a copy of the brand new tactical guide for creating more happiness, health, wealth and wisdom as a stepdad. And if you liked the podcast, please share it with other stepdads you know and leave us a review on iTunes. Again, that's www.stepdadsuccess.com for all the show notes and tactical guide. Come and join the new breed of stepdads, the growing group of leaders raising leaders.